0: The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good day, you're listening to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Carrie Weber, Executive Editor for America Magazine.
1: And I'm Father Eric Sundrup, filling in for Father Malone today.
0: And each week, we offer you the news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world gathered by our team at America Magazine. And one of those team members is here with us today, Ashley McKinless, Associate Editor for America. Hello. We are glad to have you. Glad to be here. That hello is very similar to the hello on your Jesuitical podcast. I know,
1: I heard it in my headphones, I was like, mm, yeah,
0: that's what I sound like.
1: That's her that's uh, studio voice.
0: So Ashley, uh, you may have heard her voice elsewhere uh, on the podcast Jesuitical, our podcast for young, hip, lay Catholics, or for everybody, but yep. <laughs> produced by such people. Uh, so we're glad to have you here in studio today, Ashley. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking talking with Maggie Van Dorn, who is the host of another one of our podcasts, Deliver Us. It's a podcast about the sexual abuse crisis, and Maggie is committed to healing the church from the inside, and she talks to experts, advocates, and survivors for this uh, show, and it's it's really powerful. It's getting a really um, powerful response from, from listeners, and Maggie, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: I wonder if you can tell <clears throat> us a little bit about the origin of this idea this is something that um you have worked with our team together to produce so we should be clear about that we're not uh uh outside observers to this process i'm the yeah. executive producer <laughs> on the podcast that you're talking. Uh, so we've we've um so you of, know a little bit about the we, origins so we know a little bit about the origins and so we're but listeners do not so right. you should let us kn- let them know a bit about where you came up with this idea
2: yeah um well Honestly, as I've been reviewing this, I did not want to touch the sexual abuse crisis for quite some time. Um, I had been doing these... I'd been commenting on I-24 News and just, you know, offering Catholic commentary for various things. And I remember when uh, the Cardinal McCarrick story broke and they called and they asked me if I wanted to come on and talk about it. And I said, no, I actually don't want to talk about this. Um, And I... I... Well, I mean, I think for one, at that time, I didn't fully understand how this was still happening. Um, how a cardinal of this rank um, could be discovered to be credibly accused of sexual abuse. Um, I wasn't really sure what we had accomplished since 2002, um, which is when the U.S. bishops drafted the Dallas Charter, you know, and all of these protections. Um, and and it was also just a really dark subject and I, I didn't even know how to like get the tone right around it you know um and then also you know I have a background in theology I went to Harvard Divinity School and I spent most of my time studying mystics and like re- reading really wonderful mystical poetry and literature and so I thought what do I know about the Catholic hierarchy? Um, what do I know about bishops? What do I know about statute of limitations? Um, what do I know about the legal and financial implications of this crisis? And nothing, really. I knew nothing. And so, um, for a while, that paralyzed me to, to do nothing about it. Um, and then I just, <laughs> I think that um, God can be really persistent. Uh, that's at least uh, there in the biblical tradition that um, and the lived tradition and the, and the lived yeah I mean this is my my lived experience that um, it just continued to weigh on me and I felt a sense of accountability as a Catholic to at least try to understand um, the the roots of the Catholic sexual abuse crisis. Um, what the church had done um in the past, what the church has been doing to reform itself, uh what the church still needs to do. And so I was writing all of these questions down and I thought, you know, part of this is just a an edu- an attempt to educate myself. Um but I didn't want it to be an isolated journey. I wanted you know, whatever I was doing to be of service to the larger Catholic community. Um, and I also have this background in podcasting. I had my own podcast before this, Interfaith Matters. Um, and so I knew that podcasting could be a really rich and powerful tool to tell stories. Um, and that I had kind of everything within my personal toolkit to tell the stories that I was happening upon. Um, what, what were some of those stories? What are the voices people will hear from on the podcast? Yeah, um, well, I mean, every episode is titled after a question, so the first the first episode is. Um, you know, how can I remain Catholic? And so you hear two voices in that first episode. Uh, the first is Melinda Henneberger, who wrote an article for USA Today um, about her decision to step aside from the Catholic Church for some time because she just couldn't, I think, emotionally deal with, with being Catholic after all that she had witnessed. Um, and then we talked to a theologian, an ecclesiologist, Brian Flanagan, um, who has been been studying the history of the church and how the church continues to redefine itself for centuries. Um, And he had some, I think, some really powerful examples of renewal within the church. Um, So that's an example. But then, you know, we also move on to talking to data scientists who were involved in the John Jay study um, and have done extensive research on the causes of sexual abuse in the church we talked to the original spotlight reporters to understand the mechanisms of cover-up you know how did this actually function and for me that was really important because I wanted to understand were those still operative today um and and you know I think this kind of gets at the question that you foreshadowed earlier which was um you know how can we hold bishops accountable for a very checkered past of of cover-up or mismanagement or both um so so we talked to spotlight reporters we talked to seven survivors and um i think this is kind of the at the heart of deliver us that for years and years the catholic church refused to really listen to survivors um, and they were silenced and so you know by bringing these voices to the center of our conversation on Deliver Us but also it's literally in the center of the season the podcast season um, we are clearing space and and listening not only to what happened to them the effects that it has had on their life um, but we're also asking them what they think needs to change and I think that that's also really important it's not just you know that we're prop propping them up and um, saying like this is a terrible harrowing story which it is um, but that they should also to the extent that they want to be a part of this healing um and reform moving forward
1: yeah uh, we maggie and i were actually presenting on some of this to a, a local high school yesterday so we, we were together talking a, a little bit about um what deliver us does I, I wanted to ask a question specifically right now the podcast is in the middle of of that season with the, the survivor stories yeah um and uh we we as a team, we were making that decision to not simply place them there, but also to place some resources around mm. around that discussion. I'd love to hear you know what the experience was like with talking, uh, deciding how we were going to tell the survivor stories, specifically from not just the, the victims' perspectives, but people that are going to hear very difficult things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we had about eight hours of survivor tape. You know, we had we had, we had spoken to them for for a long time, and. As you know, Eric, we deliberated quite heavily about how do we share this with people? Because the statistics show that one in four girls have suffered from child sexual abuse and one in six boys. So we actually should presume that most of our listeners could be triggered by these accounts of sexual abuse. Um, So... Uh, we decided to consult with an expert, Reverend Serene Jones. She is the president of Union Theological Seminary here in New York. And she's also an, uh, a real expert on trauma and spirituality, herself being a survivor. And she's gone into several faith communities and has really helped, I think, religious communities understand um, what trauma does to a person and how spirituality can, if at all, be a part of their healing. Um, so I spoke with Serene, and we placed this interview at the top of the series on on the survivors, um, and she gives some really concrete advice on how to take care of yourself as you're listening to this because it is so easy to be overwhelmed by uh, the weight of these stories. And so um, the first thing she says that whenever you're listening to... A survivor, whether let's say it's on the radio or a podcast, or if it's live in person, if someone in your life comes to you, um, she says, "Be careful not to interrogate them. You know the the way that we do in the media, or that um, you know a crime scene investigator might interrogate them, because the way that memory works for a survivor um, is is basically a, a traumatic event shatters." your memory and your ability to piece together exactly what happens so if I say to you you know um, you know the the day that you were assaulted or harassed um, like what were you wearing like that detail might not have remained for a survivor um, but other details might Um, and so if you want to establish trust with the survivor that you're speaking with, if you expect them to trust you in the telling of their story, then you need to be able to like put some of those, our own curiosity or need for details aside and let them share the story as it comes, which is in fragments. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing that she says um, is you need to pay attention to what is happening within yourself as you're listening to these stories, because it can very often be triggering and if you're feeling really overwhelmed, you know, you need to like mark that. If if it's happening live with a survivor, mark it. Let them tell their story, but then go as she says, bear witness with someone else. Find someone else who can hear your story or your testimony, um, because being heard is like the most essential part of a healing process Um, however she says make sure that when you're if you're you know sitting with a survivor you don't let your own grief or your own you know the the force of the impact of this story become so overwhelming that you can't tend to that individual that you can't minister to them in some way so there's. I think a lot of it comes down to self-awareness and knowing what you can handle. And it's okay if at some moment you need to pause, deliver us as you're listening and say, whoa, okay, I need to check in with myself or with somebody else or with a therapist. Um, And it's also okay if you are talking with a a human being and say, I love you, I care about you, and she says, I can't breathe right now and I need to to take a moment. Thank you. That's
0: really... A beautiful analysis of the way in which reporting can be ministry.
2: Yeah, you mentioned that before you went into this, you you weren't an expert on sex abuse, um, and you had a lot of questions. So, what do you what do you think that perspective um, brings to the audience, most of whom are also not experts? Yeah, um, I mean, what's <laughs> interesting? I don't think many Catholics would consider themselves experts on. Sexual abuse, um, or even this crisis. Um, my, you know, when I when I was first thinking about this podcast and starting it, um, I think a lot of my family members were concerned in some way that I wanted to do this. Um, it just seemed like diving into a cesspool of uh, corruption, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so so many Catholics will. Shy away from this topic. Um, I think also we see that this topic is um, treated really bluntly in the popular media. um, That there's not a lot of nuance that is is brought to this discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, American media side, but (laughs) um, so. So I think a lot of people feel like when we are talking about the sexual abuse crisis, that uh, it's church bashing, that um, it's uh, overly critical, that, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a hard topic for people to engage. Um, so as a lay Catholic, um, I thought, you know, I I'm just as equipped as basically anyone, especially given the fact that I have a theology degree and I know so many other people who are Experts in in different areas that relate to this crisis, and so if I can bring these voices and, and sit them in front of a microphone and ask them questions and educate myself, um, then that can that can help other Catholics um, find an entry into this topic where they otherwise thought there was none. Yeah, no, as someone I've listened to the podcast and and it it feels like there's someone asking all the questions that you've you've had and mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I really just appreciate that about it the, yeah.
1: you actually you have that exact line in the second episode yeah uh, it's, <laughs> is it? which one it's, so the second episode is titled um, how's your celibate life going and, and Maggie's line is and I will ask the question that you've always yeah. wanted to ask your priest <laughs> which is how's your celibate life going Yeah, which I think is exactly what you're both talking about like to to hear that to for you to sort of stand in for the listener and mm-hmm. be able to give a voice and and ask it in a way that makes sense you know if you had me doing yeah, it i, I would if, slip into <laughs> jargon i would i would quick right. i'd start making a theological point and people would look at me like yeah. Yeah.
2: it would be a very different podcast yeah. even coming from any priest just just because of the nature of this crisis i think having a lay Catholic do it um was just really powerful mm-hmm. and that's
0: because that's what a lot of people when we talk about healing the church which t- a lot of people are calling for more lay Catholics and leadership in order to avoid some of the crises of cover-up that we've had before are people arguing that people who are parents or people who um are more outside of the hierarchy might actually be able to do more or desire to do more to stop uh crisis like
2: these from continuing i think it's like when you're when you're so close to something that you can't see the forest from the trees sometimes mm-hmm. you know and and um i'm still i'm still in the forest sometimes you know but i'm still catholic and so sometimes we need to look to external parties or experts to weigh in and offer their perspectives on what they see happening um i think we can all be really myopic whether we're clergy or whether we are, are lay catholics um And there are limitations to every perspective. Um, So, uh, yeah, to your point, Carrie, I I think it does offer a different perspective. Um, And I also think that, like, lay Catholics really are stepping up to respond to this in a local way, in a a really inspiring way. And, And I started by saying a lot of Catholics are resisting this topic. But then I will also say that now I've spoken to a lot of lay Catholics who are joining their uh, parish council or, or organizing listening sessions within their diocese uh, or, or writing blogs or forming groups um, within their diocese to try to get a handle at it and it's really interesting to see because I turned to podcasting because that was my background in toolset but for other people that's writing or convening groups or um, doing sort of local level advocacy so I, I actually am really excited for where the podcast is going to go. Like the, the final episode of this season is going to look at empowering the laity or looking at what the church is already doing. And by the church here, I do mean the the body of Christ, the the entire body. People of um, God. People of God. Mm-hmm.
1: We've, I mean, I've, I see a number of the emails and things that come in and, and people's um, connection with the stories. Uh, there's been a number of phrases of, you know, uh, hearing this makes me realize I'm not alone in wondering about this, asking about this, um, you know, trying to form some of these committees or, or push on this in my own diocese or stuff. So, and then I think that's a very powerful move. Uh, you've talked to me several times about you, you saw podcasting is a particularly good medium for this. For the, for the goals you had for this project. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why, why didn't we just make this a 6,000-word six, six, uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> essay? Why, 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 is, yeah. why is this a podcast? Yeah,
2: I mean, truly, there, there is so much being written now about the sexual abuse crisis and so many of, of these great sources we could turn to. Um, I think Sam Sawyer, who's also been working on this, said it best that those articles don't always meet the spiritual hunger that is at the center of this crisis. Um, They answer questions, they supply facts, sometimes they provide some really compelling arguments, but the beauty of podcasting, and I think the human voice, is that it invites you into almost a deeper, more contemplative space. Um, So you spoke, Eric, before of the second episode, how's your celibate life going? Which, which, let me ask, Am I answering that right now? (laughs) Yeah, how is it?
1: Uh, better than average how's that <laughs> that's good no, it's, 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 it's going pretty well um, i'm 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 am, i am worried about the formation of uh, mm. my contemporaries uh, um and people younger than me mm-hmm. uh, uh, am i telling them honest enough stories so that they they are prepared um to live uh, celibacy you know, as it is played out in daily life so mm-hmm. yeah. this is heavy deep real real fast yeah
2: uh, yeah um so the reason why we titled that how's your celibate life going, is because in this episode, we are trying to answer what are the the causes of sexual abuse, particularly among the Catholic clergy. And as I'm sure everyone here has heard, there's been really two dominant arguments that have surfaced. One has blamed celibacy, and one has blamed gay priests. And when we looked at the best research available from the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. We found that neither one of those could be sustained by the facts or by the data. We talked to Margaret Smith, who was one of the original data researchers on this, um, and and she makes it very clear. And so we thought, well, you know, we could offer that up, but you could find that in several articles, right? Um, but what seems to be most on people's mind with this is actually how do you live a celibate life? It's a it's a question that I that a lot of people ask me because I have a background in religious studies, though I have not taken a vow of celibacy, and um, I think it's celibacy continues to be a a sort of strange, um, kind of unusual uh, Patty Gilder. Patty Gilger talks about it as like an aberrant form of modern sexuality, yeah. right? That—that
1: um, is—that is—that is the reaction you get on people's faces when you tell them. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm used to that. Okay, what so, do you do with your life? I'm celibate. Huh?
2: <laughs> right, right. I cannot I, imagine that as your answer no. when people
1: say, "What do you do with <laughs> the your?" The conversation life? <laughs> is a little longer to, to lead to that.
2: But it's a part of your yeah. life, and um, so we thought it would be not only interesting, um, but. Far more human to get at that question of like, how's your celibate life? How do you live that? What have what have been the sacrifices? What has been the toll on that? What have been the beauty and the grace of living a celibate life? Um, and this doesn't, of course, mean that the priests or the the men who went through seminary um, can stand in for every single person who's taken a vow of celibacy, right? This is not going to um, solve for that question in the same way that that quantitative data might. Um, but it does tell a human story and and enables us to, to kind of tease out some of those questions. And I think what episode two revealed is that we're just not talking enough in the Catholic Church about sexuality and what it means to live celibacy well and in a healthy way. And that is something that definitely emerged um, from that episode. Maggie, you
0: talked a lot about coming into this with a lot of questions. Uh, I wonder... Which of those questions has provided sort of uh, the most surprising answer for you? You know, there's each, each episode is a question. Um, you, you've kind of internalized a lot of these questions. What about those answers has surprised you?
2: In episode three, uh, we ask, is the church still covering up sexual abuse? And, uh, in order to try to answer that question, um, we were comparing a lot of church disclosures, uh, disclosures from religious orders and dioceses over, you know 80 of them have been released. Um, and we've been comparing them to external state investigations, and we see a disparity. There There is a big gap there. I think Lisa Madigan in Illinois said it, it was around Christmas time that um, the church had failed to account for 500 um so we 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 set out to try to explain some of this and eric can join in because he's been a huge part of trying to do this this research but basically it's complicated and i think that there is a difference between active cover-up which we saw pre-2002 and the the struggle for full transparency in the church today
1: yeah the you know, one of the processes is a lot of fact-checking, and when people say something to really look into the numbers and to dive into that and to figure out what's going on in the records, and we spent a lot of time going through that. And people will throw around rates, you know, the rate of abuse, and mm-hmm. we found it's it's insanely difficult to actually give that in a meaningful way because there's so many different factors, there's so many different categories of reporting. Different variables. Dis- different variables that, you know, one, version of this. Even trying to do it nationally is extremely complicated. And so we began to say, is there a better question we can ask that will actually help us discuss this? Um, and I think that's the nuance that the the podcast can get to because you don't just present the facts, but you hear the people's voices. You can hear the pain in their voices, but you can also hear the, the yearning and the striving and trying to work those different things. out, And that helps you connect all those emotions and sort through, you know, what you could easily... i've done before in a a document i'll just skim the numbers right and and get to the uh, different part i think podcasting presents an opportunity to really pull a lot of that together for the yeah and
0: we have about a minute left but i think there's something about the conversational nature of a podcast too the way you hear it as though speaking to somebody you know about it is inviting you into hopefully a larger conversation in the church that when you even when you meet somebody in person you might Feel more comfortable in that conversation because you feel like you've already you've st- heard
1: it in, conversation, in conversation, so you right. can model conversation. So yeah, else.
2: and I think you know we are not trying to supply the final answer on all of this. We're trying to inspire smarter conversation.
1: So before we go, I want to lose this part. Where would people find this podcast? What, what's the, what's the website?
2: Uh, what is the website?
1: Deliveruspodcast dot I've I've got my answer prepared.
2: <laughs> and any anywhere you listen to podcasts,
1: anywhere you listen to podcasts, or check out the landing page there.
0: So thank you very much to Maggie Van Dorn, host of Deliver Us, and uh, you can find out more about the podcast at deliveruspodcast.org, dot org. but also all the stories we spoke about today at org slash serious for Ashley McKinless and Father Eric Sendrup and myself. Have a wonderful day.
1: listening to the catholic channel Sirius XM 129